Hi, everybody, and welcome to That's Life. <laughs> Doesn't that have a heavy hand to it this week? Uh, where the words polar vortex, when used in July, actually make me very happy. I'm enjoying the lovely fall weather outside here in New York because I woke up this morning and as late as I left my house, which for some people is still pretty early, at 6.20 this morning when I went out to go exercise, it was only 68 degrees. Now, folks, that's nice. Good morning, folks. Thanks for listening. I'm Miriam L. Wallach, blogger, writer, and general manager here at the Nachum Siegel Network. You can find me here every Thursday at 10 a.m. right after Charlie and right before Nachum's live lunch as I hope to bring you a little entertainment, a little news, and a little relief that the life you are leading is not nearly as wacky as mine. Coming to you from the home of the Nachum Siegel Network on the beautiful Lower East Side, I am joined by Avrami. What's up, Avram? Good morning. How are you? I, thank God, cannot complain. How are you? Well, then I'm not going to complain either. Right. I mean, seriously, <laughs> what can we complain about? Um, we are here in Manhattan, and while the Red Alert app is unfortunately going off very frequently on my phone, um, we do not hear those sirens here except via the phone. So our thoughts and our prayers are obviously with all of our loved ones, our friends, our family, our brethren in Israel. But, yeah, frankly, here in New York, got absolutely nothing to complain about. If you're a new listener to the show, thank you for taking a break from your day to tune in. If you're a returning listener, thanks, as always, for making us part of your day. If Miriam L. Wallach once a week is just not enough for you, you can find me on Facebook. Send me an invite on LinkedIn. Shoot me an email, Miriam at NahumSiegel.com. I will not respond to you during the show. Not being rude, just being honest. I'll also make sure to get back to you afterwards. You can follow us on Twitter, NahumSiegelNet, all one word, or Miriam L. Wallach, all one word as well. Let's do some fortune cookies. I'm feeling, I'm feeling good about the fortune cookie this morning. Oh no, I took a broken one. Oh, flag on the play. Okay. Oh, and that, <laughs> flag on the play. Yeah, actually, it's a sports cliche week. It's national sports cliche week. So it seems I've just participated in the week without even knowing it. But let's do that fortune cookie. Avram, you feeling lucky on this one? Uh, well, since we're in the right week for the phrase you used, I think so. All right. Oh, I haven't turned it over yet. Okay. Your love of life will be happy and harmonious. There you go. That's you all around. Yeah. <laughs> I am just, <laughs> I just exude happiness. <laughs> yeah. Something like that. It is get to know your customer's day. Today, July 17th, it is Get to Know Your Customer's Day. It is Wrong Way Corrigan Day. I have no idea what that means, but at first I thought it said cardigan. I'm like, shoot, people are going to be walking around with their cardigans wrong way. It's also Yellow Pig Day. Not sure if that has anything to do with the Para Aduma, because that's totally the wrong thing, but I'm sure there's a link, and somebody will email me by the time this show is over as to what the Yellow Pig is, or Avrami is all of a sudden becoming curious. He's like, I'll find out. Uh, it is Sports Cliché Week. Sports Cliché Week. So, yeah, we're going to hit it out of the park. We're going to do whatever. And it seems that Sports Cliché Week here in the United States coincides with the Major League Baseball All-Star Game every single year. So a shout-out to El Capitan, who unfortunately does not listen to the show regularly, as far as I understand. But Derek Jeter, number two, you are still our hero. Avram, you should also know, by the way, it's Rabbit Week. Yeah, not just any rabbit. Evidently, magician rabbits have their own week. Yes, it is from the 15th to the 21st. So uh, if you're a magician and you got a rabbit, well, take it out and do something with it for the week. It's National Baby Food Week. I don't know why it gets its own week, because frankly, if you're a baby, that's all you got. And National Ventriloquism Week. I'm just happy I said that properly on the air. I posted yesterday, uh, I should say, was it last night, this morning? I don't even know. Everything's a blur. That Oh, yesterday on Facebook, correct, that... Um, in my promo for today's show, I was responsible for trying to feed people in the airport last night 
at Fort Lauderdale Airport as I was trying to get back here to New York, which clearly as I'm sitting behind the mic, I did successfully. But what happened was is my husband and I had too much food. As we are Jews and we are hoarders, we had too much food. So I then proceeded to go from gate to gate at Fort Lauderdale Airport (laughs) trying to find Jews to give my food to before I decided just to throw it out, which I really, really, really did not want to do. So I um, literally went, I mean, I I bageled. It was a... it was embarrassing of Rami. Even I was. Come on, eat something. Exactly. <laughs> I like. I went up to anybody who looked from, <laughs> anybody who like markedly stood out. I'm like, hi, my name is Miriam Wallach. I'm from New York. I'm not crazy. I just have too much food, and I'm. And my husband's like, poor Stephen. He's just rolling his eyes and letting me do whatever craziness I do. But I went literally from person to person, and I then totally of Rami. I totally stopped somebody who. I mean, she thought I was crazy. Like, everyone else smiled and said, no, we're fine. We ate already and blah, blah, blah. This woman looked at me she like I was mamash, like a stalker. And she's like, what? I said, my name is Miriam. I'm from New York. I have too much kosher food. It's double wrapped. The hechsher is still on it. She's like, no, thanks, and just went on her merry way. And I was like, all right, you know what? Maybe this isn't a good idea. So uh, I ended up giving it to two lovely black children <laughs> who were like, sure, we'll take it from you. Uh, so at least it did not go to waste. Anyway, we have a full lineup today, and obviously Israel is on our minds, and for good reason. So I would like to begin with my first guest. Joanna Shebson is the founder of Fun in Jerusalem, and she is a returning guest here to uh, here on That's Life. Good morning, or I should say for you. Good afternoon, Joanna. Hi, Miriam. How are you doing? I think I'm doing fine. I have to give you props as usual, um, because the new website just makes me smile. It is phenomenal. And I know that the last time you were in New York, I was able to give it a shout out on the air. But as I interact with it more and more, I have to tell you, it's really out of the out of, it's out of this world. Thank you very much. A lot of hard work, but it's paid off. Yeah, I hope it continues to. So let's talk about the the essence of fun in Jerusalem for for a very quick second. With bombs flying overhead and obviously the matzav being what it is, people are still having fun in Jerusalem. Yes, people definitely are. Um, the Israeli mentality, which is very different from, let's say, the mentality I grew up with, which is you need to continue living life. Don't stop. Um, be safe and be smart, but don't stop your regular life. Hmm. And it's, it's been incredible to watch Israelis really live by this. And it's not, you know, if you speak to um, someone who isn't used to the culture, they'll say you're not being responsible or hmm. you're not being realistic. But that's, it's not true. You know exactly where you need to be, what you need to do, where you shouldn't go right now, and you make those decisions every morning when you plan your day. Wow. And I noticed that in terms of the popular posts that you have on your homepage, the first one is red alert tips for tourists. Yes. Because the most important thing is there are tourists who are already here. There are tourists who are planning to come and deciding, you know, if you go on to TripAdvisor, one of the most popular topics under Jerusalem is, should I still go to Mm. Israel on my planned trip? Mm. And um, it's just important to know that the way we live our lives today is you, if you're going to go out somewhere, the first question you ask when you get there is, where is the safe room? Um, And you just, you know then, you know, if there's a siren, you'll hear it, you know where to go, and you know to stay there for 10 minutes. And we're not, we're not um, judging anyone and their personal decisions, but we want people to understand that life is going on. Exactly. Like if someone decides to take to go home early or someone decides to cancel their trip, nobody's judging them. I mean, this is a serious situation. This is not a joke. 
Um, but, you know, as someone who, who I know had the pleasure of taking Vanessa Williams around the Israel Museum, and she said to her, it really means a lot to us that you didn't cut your trip short. And she said, well, why would I? I feel very safe. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. That's incredible. And as the mom of three small kids and, who are in summer programs and who have this going on and that going on, there's obviously a lot that goes into your planning of, of, of on a daily basis. Definitely. My, my oldest son is actually in a teal camp. Um, which is incredible. He goes with a bunch of local kids, and they go to a different location every day. So I, I'll be honest with you, there were a few days, especially at the beginning, once this operation started, that I said to him, you know what, would you mind staying home? And he, you know, was fine about it. He said, don't worry, I know it makes you nervous, I'll stay home today, mm-hmm. it's okay. Um, you know, he was going out on a teal in the middle of absolutely nowhere where I knew there'd be no bomb shelter. So right. I said to him, I'd, I'd really prefer you stay home. And then the truth is the kids were fine. The uh, Madrid was very responsible, and when he sent pictures home, you know, he from that day, he said, yeah, we walked right past the Iron Dome. Wow. Wow. So, which on one hand is incredible. It kind <laughs> of, you know, made me feel like, okay, I made the right decision for that day. On the other hand, it's a part of daily life here, right. and it's there, and it's protecting us, and there have been rockets, you know, targeted towards Jerusalem, and thank God the Iron Dome has caught them. Right. It's. Um, I, I recently saw a report that, for every Iron Dome rocket that is sent into the sky, it costs Israel $55,000. And wow. Yeah, that's right. That is a, a serious chunk of change, but obviously money very well spent. So let's talk for a few minutes about different things that are going on in Jerusalem where people are having fun, staying safe, having options, but having fun, specifically the, the, the bamboo exhibit. Because I have to tell you, I am so jealous <laughs> <laughs> the pictures that you have posted on your website and that I've seen on your Facebook page of your kids enjoying the bamboo, it's just, it's unfathomable that bamboo is that strong, but it's exactly. incredible to see all these people climbing as high as they are. So basically there were two brothers who are artists who decided to create a an interactive installation that you could actually walk through. And the entire thing is made of bamboo sticks and climbing rope. So they're, cl- they're tied together with climbing rope, and they actually used very colorful climbing rope because they wanted to show you how many um, knots and connections there are to keep the bamboo together. But um, they're very strict. There are guards at the entrance to the bamboo exhibit, very strict, no flip-flops, no heels. Mm. And at first I thought, oh, you know what, you can go in Crocs, whatever. <laughs> but seriously, like they're serious climbing. Heels for sure not because it goes straight through the bamboo. All right. Uh, I know you're talking directly to me when you say that. Go on. Yes, exactly. <laughs> You'd have to leave your heels at home that day. Yes, ma'am. But um, it's incredible because you really are very high up off the ground. You've got a view of all over Jerusalem. And there was like this whistling noise. And I turned to my son, of course, and I said to him, is that a, is that a siren? Is that an azaka? He's like, Mommy, it's the wind going through the trees. <laughs> So, you know, and, and they just wanted to go up to the top, top, top. I was like, okay, I'm going to sit down here on this bench because they're like benches along the way as you're going up. And I'm like, you guys go up, come back down and get me on your way down. There are benches in the bamboo? Yeah, there are a couple of spots where they've built bamboo benches with pillows on them, and you can kind of stop. Two, three people can sit down at a time. Wow. And, and there are a few entrances and a few, like there's no, there isn't one way to walk through it. There are a bunch of ways you can go. And it's about you experiencing it, you know, for yourself. That's incredible. Have you been able to speak to these artists? 
Um, I actually went when they were building it, um, but the artists weren't there at the time, so I wasn't able to speak to them. But they, um, they had rock, professional rock climbers actually building it because there, there was no scaffolding set up around. This was built from the ground up, and as they built, they climbed. Wow. And, and it's a traveling exhibit. They've done it. I think they've done it in New York, actually. I think it may have started in New York, and it goes, it's been traveling around. It's been in Venice um, and a few other countries. Well, I guess it's something that you can take down and do somewhere else. I, I imagine. No, they build, they actually, they may use the same bamboo, I'm not sure, but they build a different, they get inspired and build a different installation every time. That's incredible. You know, the sheer physics that are involved with something like this, the weight, the balance, the strength of the bamboo versus the knots. I mean, it's completely beyond any high school or college course, but it's still quite something to behold, obviously, to watch all of these people. And it's not just one person at a time. There are numerous people up in this bamboo. Yes. Yeah, there are at the same time. And I was there actually on a day when the Israel Museum was hosting a whole bunch of kids, 200 kids from the South. And let me tell you, they were happy to be free and happy to be running around. Wow. And there were times where the guards had to calm them down a bit. (laughs) I imagine just being able to get out and stretch your wings and fly around a little bit, so to speak, was probably very, very freeing. Um, Let's also talk about the different summer camps that are around, that are available even, you know, even um, midstream, so to speak, because the summer is underway, and people who are still having programming despite the situation. So all of the summer camps mentioned um, in our summer camps guide have all continued. None of them have canceled. Um, very few, actually, of their campers have even canceled. Mm. They've just adjusted their schedules a bit. You know, we've got um, this incredible technology camp run out of Jerusalem. Okay. And they were supposed to go and visit the Dimona nuclear reactor about a day after a rocket was shot in that direction. So the government, whoever, there is actually a security department you must call when you run a camp to say, okay, I'm going on a teal, this right. is where it's going to be, is it okay? And they were told, no, you have to change your plans. Got it. But, you know, it was they, they were allowed, although the next day, to go to Google in Tel Aviv. They went so on it, a trip to Google? They did. My son is actually joining into this joining this camp in another week or so, and he was so bummed out <laughs> that he missed the Google trip. That's hysterical. Well, I guess if that's the kind of thing that your kid is interested in, then phenomenal, going to Google is a hoot and a holler. But that's... It's a ro- robotics and hacker camp, and you go on trips to Intel, Google... Um, water desalination plants. They've done some. They had some camping trips um, in up north. It's a it's a real mix of stuff. There's so many great camps going on in Jerusalem. It's a hacker camp. It is called a hacker camp. That's. I'm sorry, but that's a punchline in so many ways, shape, or form. Um, but it's incredible. The truth of the matter is, when I think about it, I have two kids who would probably really enjoy something like this and of course the word hacker entices them even more let's also talk about the segways because segway touring through jerusalem has always been hot yeah definitely um i actually went on a segway tour recently on the armona netziv tayelet or the Haas promenade mm-hmm. and it's fantastic because the promenades there they change names they're like three or four different promenades as you go along and you're on this it's like a mix of, wow, this is so cool and so fun to be on the Segway and this feeling of flying. And you're also learning about the history and you've got some amazing views and incredible picture spots um, along the way. And as you go, you see different parts of Jerusalem. You're, you're overlooking the old city. You can see as far as the Dead Sea from one angle. So it, it's really incredible. 
That's unbelievable. Joanna Shepson from Fun in Jerusalem, that's funinjerusalem.com, joins us um, via phone right now from Jerusalem. Let's also talk for a second about um, this uh, this ad that you have on your website for beachbus.co.il. I don't understand. Getting to the beach in under an hour? you got to tell me what this is about. Well, I can't honestly say that I've taken a bus from Jerusalem to Tel Aviv to go to the beach, but I've heard that it is a, an, a whole experience that could take up to an hour and a half to two hours from switching buses. Um, the idea is there were a bunch of, uh, a group of uh, Yerushalmim mm-hmm. who said, let's make it easy for people to get to the beach. Um, this is actually the summer of the beach because First Station, which is our, one of the local malls, outdoor malls that just opened up, just opened up their own beach as well. Um, they opened and- up a beach? They literally took an area of the mall, brought in sand, umbrellas, chairs, and they simulated surf machine. <laughs> in Jerusalem. In Jerusalem, <laughs> on Emek Rafaim. You're kidding me. And they serve um, drinks there. They serve popsicles, cut up fruit. Where? They kids' activities. It's, if you're facing first station from Emek Rafaim, it's all the way on the left, next to the restaurant Hamiznon. It was an area that wasn't used, and they just built it into a beach. Unbelievable. Okay, so <laughs> that is... Back to Beach Bus. Sorry, back to Beach Bus. So yes. <laughs> the idea is, number one, it's fast. It's direct. It picks up in four different locations in Jerusalem, in Katamon, Baca. takes you by a nice air-conditioned bus straight to the beach. Um, it's a quick ride. On the, and then they leave you there, and you get a bunch of different discount options um, in the area from local surf schools and cool. restaurants in the area. Cool. And then at about 3.30, they pick you back up, and you're back in Jerusalem before Shabbos. Have, you haven't gotten your car all sandy. You haven't you know, had to deal with traffic. <laughs> right. You had a great beach day. That's unbelievable. You know, the truth of the matter is that this all speaks to um, Israeli resiliency and, um, and just continuing to plow forward. And while I don't want to take away from my interview at the end of this show or the third interview with Dr. Michael Salomon, in which we will talk about resiliency, I, I think that just it is completely the overtone of everything that you're discussing today. I agree. It really is. Like, And it's interesting because it, it, you can see any situation from a positive or a negative. And the positive is to say the people living here are resilient. The negative is to say that they can be hard or harsh. It's not a hard or harsh. It's, it's not a lack of emotion to say, I'm going to the beach today or I'm going to do, you know, I'm going to the bamboo exhibit today when I know there are soldiers on the front line. That's not harsh. That's, that's giving the soldiers the encouragement that life is going on mm. and we appreciate what they're doing for us and that I'm Yisrael Chai. That's incredible. Rabbi Josh Fast from Nefesh Benefesh was on JM and AM this morning with Nachum speaking about the upcoming charter flight on Monday from New York with, with all of the Olim who are making Aliyah on Monday and the Olim that we've all been tracking who have just made Aliyah from France, um, riddled with anti-Semitism that it is. As, as a woman who made Aliyah, are you, is that six years ago at this point? Almost seven. No way. Seven years ago. What um what can you speak to or, ha- or what can you say to these Olim who are coming right now? I think what I can say is very quickly, I mean, it may take a little bit of time, but, but pretty soon you'll realize this is just the only place to be. That this is just, you know, sometimes you think when something bad happens and when there's fear, you want to run away. Um, I haven't met anyone 
of my friends or in my community who says, I want to run away. Not only that, I've got friends who ended up in the States because they had planned to be in the States, and they're talking about how they want to come back. Wow. So um, I'm not judging anyone who right. stays back in America, not at all. Right. But I'm saying that I can't tell you that I wake up. I can tell you that I wake up every morning and I say this is where I want to live. Mm. That is incredible. Joanna Shepson from FunInJerusalem.com. We only have a few minutes left, but I something I have alluded to on the air before um, before we get back to the website and just just piggybacking off of the Aliyah conversation. But Fun in Jerusalem evolved from just being a mommy blog into this business. And I think that that also speaks to um, the mentality of, of Olim and or at least an Ola, an Ola like yourself. So just give people, if you wouldn't mind, a little bit of a background about Fun in Jerusalem and how you got to where you are now. Sure. Um, I took a blogging class when I first got here, just to, like on the off chance that it would be something I wanted to do. And one of the assignments was to actually start a blog. So I started one um, about things I did with my kids. My sister actually is the one who gets the credit for naming it, Fun in Jerusalem. And I just started writing, and then I started getting more and more requests, You know, whether it was I'd post something on Facebook and get a request of, oh, do you know if there's any any shows for kids this week? Do you know if there's anything going on? you know, special in August. Um, we're coming in for a bar mitzvah. Do you have an idea for a, a, unique, uh, a unique activity that we can do? And it just grew from there. And I think you're right. I think when you're in Ola, you can come in with two attitudes. One is I would like to change Israel and the mentality and the people to be just like I'm used to in America. <laughs> or two, which is, okay, this is, this is a different culture. It's a different way of working. And I would have loved to work initially for the Jerusalem municipality and maybe, you know, I initially had some conversations with people once I started this saying, oh, maybe I should go and get a regular, you know, day job and quickly realized that it just wasn't going to be right for me and they weren't reaching the people that I was going to be able to reach. Hmm. So I decided I'm going to go and create it myself. And here we are. Have and we want more and more tourists, so come on over. <laughs> yeah, uh, that is that is certainly not for for our lack of trying. Let's also, by the way, just talk about things that happened today in Jerusalem, um, because there are were events that were posted on your website today um, that still happened in real time, and accommodations are made for everyone's safety. and And I imagine that if any of these facilities felt that they could not accommodate and all of their guests um, safely, that they would have either closed the program or cut it off at a certain point. Am I correct? Yeah, you know, we have a community activity called Fun in the Park that's put together by the, the community center in the German colony. And it's a couple nights a week in different parks. They have activities going on for kids. So it could be blowing big bubbles or petting zoo or yoga workshop. So this week, there was one scheduled for a park that didn't have a shelter nearby. Mm. So they didn't cancel the activity. They just changed the park to a park called Park Bilu, which is right off of Chizkiyahu Amelech, and there's a big, large public shelter there. Thank God the siren didn't go off and it wasn't an issue. Right. But that's the attitude. It's not cancel. It's, okay, how can we make this safe? Um, you know, we, I wanted to take out my kids this week, and I was thinking, you know, where should I take them? What should I do? And the truth is, I felt like the safest place was Cinema City. Huh. And I took them out to a movie because the movie theaters are all located underground. Wow. And if there was a, a siren, we wouldn't even have to move anywhere. The kids wouldn't even hear the siren. I had my phone on, so I knew, you know, I have my Red Alert app. I know when the rockets are coming. Right. And, um, and that's how you adjust. And we drove home very quickly. 
<laughs> How have your kids been uh, reacting? I mean, we talked about resiliency of Israelis, but let's talk for for a second about about the kids. How have your kids been handling the situation? I think for kids, the most important thing is to know that there's a process and know what you need to do. So we got some information. Somebody had um, WhatsApped me and said, there's a, there's a good chance there's going to be a rocket attack on Jerusalem. And this was the first one of this series. And I had enough time to tell my kids, listen, we're going to set up the beds in the Mamad, which is in our basement. If you guys want to watch TV downstairs or you want to sleep there tonight, you're welcome to. If there's a siren, we'll go down. And so it wasn't a panic when there was a siren. Mm. It was more of, okay, let's go. This is what we have to do. Um, we came back up after the siren, and my three-year-old, who doesn't totally understand what's going on, <laughs> ran to the closet, pulled out her Dora umbrella that she got from her friend Haley, and said, boys, boys, come under my umbrella. It'll take away the boom boom. <laughs> you know, and it's so sweet, and you just love that story. And then you right. think, why does a three-year-old need to be dealing with this? Right. On the other hand, we know how to keep her safe, and... Thank God, you know, everything's been okay so far. Thank God is right. What upcoming events are taking place in the next couple of weeks? I know the three weeks has started, and so the shift has already has already taken place. But what can people look forward to towards the end of July and even into August that's going to be going on in Jerusalem? Well, we've got a, there's a great exhibit at the Science Museum, which you can enjoy even during the three weeks, called The Machine Inside. It comes from Chicago. It's all about how man has been inspired by um, in, in their man has been inspired in innovation from animals, um, with a lot of interactive exhibits. Cool. Um, there are still scavenger hunts going on in the old city in Nachlaot. There's a new game that takes place in the Shuk called the Shuk Dash, which takes you on missions around the Shuk to buy certain things and find certain people, and that that's a lot of fun. When you refer to and, the sh- when you refer to the Shuk, I'm sorry to interrupt. You referring to Machana Yehuda at this point? Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, and then August is full of festivals. I mean, we have the Formula One race is going to happen again. Oh, fantastic. Um, the, yeah, I'm going to be out of town. There's, well, when is that taking place? The last week of August. Really? And okay. there's going to be uh, the Chutzot HaYotzer Art Festival, which people love, the Puppet Festival. Amazing. Um, Jerusalem Theater is having an end-of-the-year festival. Right now we're finishing off the Film Festival. Oh, right. Were you able to partake, part, participate in that at all? Um, no, unfortunately not. They they actually had a really big grand opening event, but that they did postpone because that was going to be a large number of people in Brechada Sultan, Sultan's Pool. Right. And for large gatherings like that, they are recommending to cancel. Got it. Okay. So they postponed it to the end of the festival, assuming that the the war is over. Okay. Please God. Please God. And what else? And okay, so that's we got Formula One. We have the Israeli cinema. And what else can people looking forward to? Um, I think a lot of just the regular activities that are always around, the ATVing in the desert. Um, there's a new skate park in Jerusalem, which is fun to go and watch um, skateboarders skate around. It's in um, Ganapamon, across from the first station. Got it. Amazing. And um, there are shows at the Jerusalem Theater. Um, there's also great. There are a lot of new great activities that we're starting to put up on the site. There's this art activity at a place called Kakadu which you might remember from your year in Israel. Wait a minute, isn't that, the, isn't that the woodwork? Isn't that... Yes, it is the painted woodwork. So oh. you can actually go and meet the artists. You can see their studio. You can actually do a workshop with them, and she helps you um, touch up the piece at the end where you walk out and you feel like you've got a real cockadoo piece, and it's based near Beit Shemesh. Incredible, incredible. Well, Joanna Shebson from Fun in Jerusalem, 
everyone, funinjerusalem.com. Kola Kavod to you. The, the, the website's amazing. Your story is amazing. And um, I just wish you and your family continued success and safety. Um, and I look forward to hearing from you very soon. I thank you for sharing your time with us this morning. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. You're listening to That's Life here at the Nachum Siegel Network. And I know that we usually play this only when Rabbi Fass is on, um, and I know that Nachum played it this morning, but I definitely want to cue it right now. It's Schlock Rocks making Aliyah today here on That's Life.
Bishem Hashem Elokei Yisroel Mimini Michoel Umismoli Gavriel Umilfonai Umilfonai Uriel Umeachorai right about now we'll finish the show with that because dr michael solomon a returning guest here at that's life joins us on the air good morning doctor good morning miriam how are we ah we well i don't want to yeah okay (laughs) thank god everything is fine as rummy and i said at the beginning of the show we really cannot complain and you and i are going to talk about resilience and i want to um i want to read you something that a very good friend of mine posted on Facebook this morning. She lives in Modi Inn, and she wrote at the top of her blog post, Resilience. My nine-year-old just had to lie face down at a water park with his friends from his from camp because of a siren-slash-rocket. His friend's mother called to see if they are all okay or scared, etc., and his friend said, No, Mommy, I'm fine. You're just making me miss my turn on the rides. <laughs> and we just totally cracked up. I mean, I saw that. And I laughed, but the truth of the matter is, while that's a phenomenal story about resilience, it's also obviously very bittersweet. Uh, unfortunately, yes, very much so. But, but that is exactly the kind of attitude that many children have if they're raised properly. Mm. What do I mean? Um, so I'm, asking my, I'm asking your questions to me. Yeah, no, that's good. That <laughs> saves me the trouble. <laughs> okay, so... Um, just some, some data. First, we know that approximately 30% of, of people who are exposed to trauma never have any sign of it, ever. They're totally resilient. And then we know that there are a group of people who um, have some reaction to trauma, about another 30 or so percent. Um, but that comes and goes, and it never really has a major impact on their lives. And then the remainder always have some sort of a residual effect that, that the trauma somehow invades their lives and goes on, could their entire life be impacted by it? What's the difference between the three groups? turns out that the, the major difference that we have found is that those who are completely resilient tend to have parents who talk to them a lot, mm. mostly about um, not being strong necessarily in the face of what's going on at the moment, but the fact that we've been through a lot and we will always be through a lot, but as a group, as a family, as a generational approach to life we have always endured and we're going to transfer that we're going to transmit that 
legacy over to you. And over the course of generations, uh, we've developed that strength, and now you'll get it, and you will be able to have that to take with you through your life. Can you fake it till you make it as a parent when, when, with something like this? And, and what I mean is, if you're a person who does not necessarily have that resiliency gene, it's not, it's not your norm. It takes you time to bounce back. And is it possible, though, to still raise your children with that, um, with that ability, even if you're faking it for them? So that's the thing about resilience. Um, it turns out it's not really correlated with any sort of personality or genetic predisposition. We see it in all types of people. So it, the bottom line on this is it's probably a mindset. It's probably an attitude that gets developed regardless of, of your personality. So, yeah, faking it till you make it is exactly the point. That, that is exactly the point. If you tell your kids, look, uh, uh, Zadie and Bubby went through all kinds of horrible things, and uh, we had an uncle who was very successful but then lost everything, but he made his way back, and, and, and then we had another cousin who ended up going to jail for all kinds of reasons, but another one who became very, very smart and, and did very well in school, and, and give them that kind of foundational legacy to how we approach life as a family and as a group, then you're actually faking it till you make it. You're teaching them that there are factors about us and about our families and, and our, our generational insights that we can tap into that will keep us focused and, and successful. On the flip side, though, can you help a kid fake it till they make it? Can you make a kid be resilient or, or go through the motions of resiliency, even if they're not? Yes. It's not easy to do, um, but it's absolutely doable on some level. And, and that has a lot to do with, also, with a parental attitude. Mm. You know, the parental attitude of, look, uh, I know you're afraid of, or I know this is scary, or I know that there are issues here that, that we are all worried about, but we have to look at it from a certain perspective that gives us a sense of strength and determination, and, and the child can get that. You don't even have to say the words. If the child sees you taking a, a strong approach, a, a reasonably uh, thought-out, determined approach to trauma, then the child will learn from that modeled behavior that this is the way we approach things. It may be scary, but we'll handle it. Hmm. Wow. Okay. Let's let's talk for a second. That's a lot to digest. It's a lot to digest. I mean, the topic in general is 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 heavy. Is hard to think about. Um, but especially in terms of the enormous responsibility of raising a kids and doing the best job that you possibly can, and making sure that you're making the right decisions for your kids. You you clearly take every step seriously. You you each thought. Each move is, is, is calculated as methodical, and especially for something like this, which is a skill which hopefully lasts them into adulthood, and then they're able to pass that on to their children. This is not something to take lightly. No, not at all. This is something that parents really need to work at, um, and, and not just when there are traumas. This is something that uh, you could use all sorts of occasions to transmit the information about being strong and determined and resilient. Uh, family dinners, uh, Friday night meals, uh, children contribute what they learned in school or what they, they like about their day, but uh, parents need to talk about what their school life was like, not just uh, things like, you know, I walked 
to school in the snow and was 15 <laughs> miles uphill both ways. Um, but things like, you know, like I said, uh, you know, there was a Holocaust. We survived um, and, and we thrived. And there were down times too, but we got through it. Uh, or, you know, uh, they went on a trip and they had a great time. And, and uh, unfortunately, there's some people we saw that weren't so lucky and successful. And we were able, thank God, to help them out. Hmm. Um, you know, the, the perspective of helping people out is the strongest way to 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 help yourself out. Hmm. Uh, so if you see that you are able to help others, then there's got to be strength within you. And that's just a natural thing that kids learn. To help it, to help others, you have that strength to help yourself. Is it my misconception, my misperception that kids are by nature more resilient than adults? As a general rule, until they learn to be afraid of something, yes. Huh. Um, but it's not quite that simple. I wish it were. So the fearlessness that a child experiences um, at, when they are little works to their benefit in this case because they don't appreciate the enormity of a situation. But, but we as adults, because we hopefully get the bigger picture, we look at this and we can associate or identify danger much earlier or much quicker, and therefore it takes us more time to bounce back. That's correct. Wow, that was my therapy session. I don't have to pay you next week. Um, <laughs> let me ask you a different question or or a takeoff on this a little bit. Let's talk about what the signs are of being mentally healthy um, during the during an incredibly incredibly stressful time in one's life. And obviously, talking about uh, the situation in Israel, calling it a stressful time is uh, an under is hashtag my kids would say hashtag understatement so um, but let's talk about that what are signs of mental health um, in this situation well the the, the uh, Facebook post that you mentioned at the start of this segment is exactly it that kind of thing where you're able to see that I want to get back to my activities is one of the best signs that the child is healthy um, being able to resume routine being able to uh, reintegrate yourself immediately to whatever it is that you're supposed to be involved in is one of the healthiest things you could do. But what about as a parent? I'm sorry to interrupt, but what about as a parent? Is is my letting my child go with his kids, if we're taking this anecdote from Facebook, If my, is my letting my child, allowing my child to go on this trip with his camp to this water park, um, despite my appreciation of the existing danger, uh, that uh, the existing danger, is that a sign of my mental health? That's a tough question. Um, well, you it, are the expert, Doc. Well, okay. <laughs> I, I have to give myself a little bit of a hedge. Um, here's the bottom line. Is the trip that dangerous, or is it your fear that's the oh. problem? Because I don't imagine that a camp would deliberately want to take their campers to right. a situation that's dangerous. Right. So were you traumatized as a child by some sort of a water park and never resolved that fear? And do you want to transmit that fear over to your child? Or is there really truly a, a, a threat going to the water park? Mm. Well, if we're talking about me, no, I, <laughs> <laughs> um, I hear that. That's, that's, an interesting, that's an interesting way to parse things. And I guess that's a decision that the parent has to make to try and to decide where the fear is coming from. What is the... What is the origination of that discomfort? Well, you see, the bottom line of these types of fears, and I get these questions all the time. People call with these sorts of questions. And my, my response is exactly what I say, just said to you. Um, are you afraid to go? Hmm. Do you trust the camp? 
If you trust the camp, why wouldn't you want your child to enjoy it with everybody else? If they're the only one from their group or bunk that's not going on the trip, what is that teaching them? Um, is that exposing them to possibly being teased? Uh, so what are, you, what are you doing and why are you doing it? And, and let's think that through. That is a question that I've been posed over the last week or so, being that I have a number of upcoming trips to Israel, none of which I have any plans on canceling. But I have, but I have been asked indirectly, aren't you afraid to go? And my no is both, um, you know, a little defensive and a little bit angry and a little bit judgmental. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I have been asked that as well. And to me, it doesn't, it, it doesn't compute. But, I, again, I'm not making decisions for anyone else, and everyone's got to do what's good for them, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But, um, but that question has been posed to me as well, and something that, to me, is a no-brainer. I, the truth is I agree with you, and if I were able to, to go now, I would. Um, and I said that to someone, and uh, they looked at me like I was probably out of my mind, and maybe I am, but not for that reason. Um, I, I think, there, you know, the bottom line of this is... It, the IDF is doing a great job protecting Israelis. Right. Thank God. And, and thank God, yes. And, and, and if you want to be honest about it, uh, this is a perfect time to visit because the people of Israel need to see that we're behind them and, and we're supportive of them. And uh, if, if it were that much of a threat, then El Al would not be flying tourists to Israel now. Uh, they would be flying supplies or, mm. or manpower, whatever it is they needed. Um, so... Maybe I'm a little too, uh, I don't know, easygoing about the whole thing, or maybe a little too coy about it, or, or maybe I'm not being realistic to some people. But on the other hand, I think I'm being more realistic because I'm trying to evaluate the situation not based on a fear, but based on the reality of what's going on. Right. You're, you're looking at this. You're looking at the factors. You're looking at the rationality um, of the decision and and coming to what would be a rational conclusion. You know, going back a second, though, I think we need to, I need to give you a follow-up question. At what point does a person look at their own situation or that of somebody around them that they love and say, you know what, their inability to bounce back or their fears are taking over and they are not expressing or displaying signs of good mental health? At what point does somebody become aware of that? That's not a difficult uh, answer. That's a very simple, straightforward answer. If there's a significant change in the person's routine that's clearly related to some sort of a fear, then they need serious help as soon as possible. In other words, you you see children not willing to go out and play with their friends anymore or or, um, school time. They would would just refuse to get on the school bus Mm. uh, or something along those lines. Those are clear distinctions and and behavior that, that are indicative of a real problem. And in terms of resilience, that's the time you have to start working really hard to make sure that you bring them back and develop that sense of resilience. Wow. And if it's, um, and if it's, if it's not a child, if it's an adult, if your spouse is all of a sudden becoming, um, I don't know what the right word is, a homebody, somebody who's afraid to go out, somebody who ha- is having irrational fears of, of other things, at what point should you, as, uh, as that loved one, turn and say, I think we have an issue? As soon as possible. The same applies to adults, absolutely. Uh, and and you, you described it very well. You, you would see a, a social withdrawal. You would see a withdrawal from normal activities. You would see 
fear that's just pervasive and, and not related to anything in the environment that's real, um, and an unwillingness to confront that fear. When that develops, if that develops, you need to get help right away. Hmm. You know, somebody, somebody I had spoken to this week who lives in Jerusalem said to me, you want to hear a joke you can only make if you live in Israel? <laughs> okay. And I said, sure. And she uh, proceeded to tell me a joke, which was, you know, again, it's funny if you if you live in Israel, but no one in the States would have the chutzpah to make uh, make a joke like that. It was a joke about security. It was a joke about bombings. And, of course, it's all tongue-in-cheek. But humor is a way that we express or relieve some of our stress. Humor is one of the best ways to, to cope with anxiety. Absolutely. It, it, it gives you a moment to pause and reflect. Um, and it allows you to confront the fear in a healthier, more direct way. And, and so that is a normal coping mechanism. Normal and healthy. What other normal and healthy coping mechanisms can we uh, give to our listeners, just a few, can we give to our listeners as a way to relieve stress and to build up one's resilience? Well, like, like we just said, humor. Right. But in addition to that, um, just talking about your fears in a family setting where there's support for airing them and then confronting them in realistic terms, um, meaning that, uh, boy, was I afraid when yesterday when those air raid sirens went off. Mm. Um, but you know what? Like everybody else, we found a way to get through it, and we're okay, and you focus on the okay part. And then talking about the family history. Again, that family history thing is a really, really critical factor. The, the more you talk about family history, the more you uh, prepare yourself and your family to, to confront that, the fact that we're still here. No matter what happened, we are still here, and we're still capable of handling ourselves, and we will always handle ourselves, and don't lose sight of that. What about, um, what about physical activity? I know that for myself, going to the gym, and that, besides the fact that that being part of my routine is, um, is just a crucial part of my day, but how important, or what are in terms of its level of efficacy, how important is now involving physical activity as a, res as a way to relieve stress? Okay, so we're talking about the ancillary supports. Uh, people talk about comfort food. Well, comfort food is good for a limited amount of time. So comfort food Depends is okay. on what the food is, though, Doc. I've got to be honest. Yeah, go on. Well, I'm sorry. Well, you know, <laughs> that ice cream you want forever. But, <laughs> but, and and, and the, the, the stuff, kishka and, and, and chill and stuff, it's good <laughs> once a week, you know. But... Um, People talk about comfort food. That's not really the healthiest way of dealing with it. That's good, like I said, for a limited amount of time, a okay. day or two. The best intervention is eating healthy and getting aerobic exercise. Wow. Um, and and not, not necessarily a lot. 20 to 30 minutes of aerobic exercise four or five times a week really relieves stress uh, and is one of the best ways to, to cope with fear. So, yeah, that. And then, then socialization, hmm. being with others. Making sure to incorporate social activities within your daily normal life. Absolutely. And it doesn't have to be face-to-face -face necessarily, although that's the best way. Just talking with someone on the phone can be very, very helpful. Even if that's not your normal predilection, so to speak, and you're um, not necessarily the person who makes the effort to be social with other people, this is the time to make that effort. Exactly. This is not necessarily Good. something that you normally Good. do, but you need to do it now. Good. That's a great tip. And give me one other as we only have a few minutes left. Um, telling your loved ones that you love them. Hmm. You know, people sometimes forget about that. 
but it, that's, that's the touchstone of your family. If wow. you can say that to them, then you're saying, we're here together. And again, as a family, as a group, as a, as a family, long-term history, we've suffered and we've succeeded and we're going to succeed again. Hmm. Wow, that is good advice, especially the last one. The truth of the matter is, and I'm, I'm sorry to admit it, but I didn't realize as, as important as I know as it, as it is to hear and it is to share, to tell people that you love, that you love them, I didn't realize that that was a way to relieve my stress. It absolutely is. And, you know, we try to make it a habit in our family to, to say it a lot, but not just when you need to. If, if you're comfortable doing it, it's easier to do it when you need to. But it needs to be done when you're under stress. It absolutely needs to be done when you're under stress. And, and if you don't do it, then you're missing out an important component of, of the best ways to deal with it. Fear and stress. Fear and stress. Well... I can't thank you enough, Dr. Solomon. I, I will tell you honestly that you've definitely given me a couple of pointers over this conversation that is going to make me feel better and hopefully relieve some of my stress, even though what I'm experiencing is certainly not on the level of rockets flying overhead. All of these tips are obviously incredibly important. Dr. Michael Solomon is the Senior Psychologist and the Director of ADC Psychological Services. You can reach him at 516 0073 or at psychologicalhelp.org. Doc, it is always a pleasure to have you on. And it's my pleasure to be with you. Thank you so much. Take care. So I know that we had promoted that um, Avnet Kleiner from Ale Negev would have been on the air with us this morning. Um, there was some technical difficulty, and we will try and get him on next week. But as for the rest of the show, you have been listening to That's Life on the Nachum Siegel Network. I'm Miriam El Wallach. My thanks to Avrami and my thanks to my guests for being on. Let's go through the lineup for you to know exactly what will be on the rest of the day and, of course, what you do not want to miss. Avrami is going to be hosting the live lunch. Starts at 11 o'clock Eastern time, ends at 1 o'clock. As we say, we start with brunch and we end with lunch. And unfortunately for Avrami, there is no food here at the studio today. So, uh... Enjoy the Tic Tacs. Today at 1 p.m., it's a stunt show hosted by Mark Zomick. It is an encore presentation of Mark's show from last year from Camp Missoura. And then starting at 2 p.m., Throwback Thursday, encoring J-Man from years past. Homeward Bound with Yigal Seagull, encores at 4.30. By the Book, hosted by Nahum, encores at 5. And Charlie Bernhardt at 7 p.m. with his cantorial selection, wrapping up our day. Tune in all day long. Join Nahum tomorrow morning. 6 to 9 as he hosts JMAM live here on the stream, NahumSiegel.com, 91.1, and 91.9 FM. And do not miss the weekly update with Malcolm Holmline at 7.40 a.m. If ever we needed these updates, it is certainly now. A shout-out, by the way, to all the new Olim who have arrived in Israel and to the upcoming flight from JFK that leaves this Monday. And in honor of those Olim, um, I am going to continue my... <laughs> um, we're picking up with Aryeh Kunstler where we left off in the middle of the show with B'Shem Hashem. It is a tribute to all those children who are making Aliyah now. We hope you have safe and well-slept nights, and to parents as well, you are making wonderful, wonderful decisions. Stay safe, everyone. That's life, everybody. Bye, guys. Shame, 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 shame.